0: Hello and good morning. We are excited that you are at Palm City Church today. If we haven't met you, my name is Brian. My wife and Kristen and I started this church 10 weeks ago, so we're all relatively new. And whether you got here at the beginning or today is your first time, we want to welcome you and to those online joining us right here from the comforts of your home. We see you in those pajamas. We see you eating that extra breakfast and we love you. We're glad you're here. Come on, Palm City. Say hello to everybody that's joining us today. We're super, super excited, and we've been in a series uh, that we've called Parables, and I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4, and uh, if you need a Bible, always know that we have one for you. We would love to put one in your hands, free of charge, of course, thankful uh, to the people of Palm City who give so generously. But I'm super excited about this because in two weeks, it's Easter Sunday, everybody. Come on. It's like the Super Bowl of Faith. It's going to be the best day ever. We can't wait for Easter Sunday and Palm Sunday. Come on, shout out. Let's give Palm Sunday some love. Don't be sleeping on April 10th. (laughs) Palm Sunday is going to be an amazing day. We actually have um, some gifts for you that day on Palm Sunday. And then we have a great, great special day for the whole family, kids, adults, everybody on Easter Sunday. So you want to get your kids, you want to get your wife, you want to get your neighbors. Get them all here. It's going to be amazing. And check it out, in your seat, we want to help you do it. So uh, every seat in the room has one of these. And it's not just an awesome card that some graphic creative genius made. It's actually an invite card, a chance to introduce someone to our church and a place of hope. So uh, check it out because we believe, although everybody may not want to invite everybody, everybody can invite somebody come on so let's be a church who brings people and you're thinking of a person right now perhaps that needs hope they need some encouragement in their life maybe it's a co-worker maybe it's that person in the last couple of weeks that shared some hard things with you and you don't know why they chose to share it with you but i'm telling you god had a plan and maybe one of the most spiritual things that you and i can do together is get people in a room where god can touch their heart god can change the course of their destiny and god can do something they didn't even see coming but they definitely needed so let's be a church that is not. Confined to the four walls of this building, although we love it. Let's be a church that says, When I leave this building, church begins. Come on, I'm preaching. I'm, this is my intro. Come on, give me an amen, somebody. I'm preaching about 62% better than you're responding, okay? Just kidding. Just kidding. But seriously, we have, um, we have droves of these. So on your way out today, if you're like, one ain't going to get it done, we got a 10 outside. Our team would love to put as many as you want to take in your hands. And here's my encouragement. Give them out in practical ways. Give them to your friends. Give them to your family. When you're in that Chick-fil-A line and you see it's not 32 people behind you, it's just like three, go ahead and pay for their meal and leave this. And say, hey, Jesus loves you and so do we. Come to church, okay? That's one way to do it. There's multiple ways that you can just be generous. When you go to lunch today and you're you're grappling, do I go 15%? Do I go 18% tip? Or am I going to be generous and go like 20 or 22? Go ahead and leave that honking tip and leave this card here and point them to Jesus in a place of hope and say, Jesus loves you and there's a local church right here in your backyard that does too. Get them here, get them here, get them here. I promise you one thing, if you will partner, With me, I will honor you. I will not do anything to them that I wouldn't want done to a friend of mine if I invited them to a church. And perhaps we can be in a partnership. Maybe I can convey some things that you don't feel comfortable conveying. And you can do something I can't do. And that is know your friends and your family and get them in here in this room. So Jesus can touch their lives. And the church said amen. amen. All right, back to parables. We're in the series where we're focusing on the words of Jesus. And so I think it's important as we move towards Easter Sunday to really lean into not only what Jesus did in the miracles, but what did he say? Come on, what Jesus said is very, very important. They're kind of like the red letters in your Bible. And so we're in these parables that are found throughout the Gospels in your Bible. Your Bible has 66 books And then in the New Testament, which has 27 of those 66 books, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are called Gospels. They are the good news of Jesus Christ. They are the same story conveyed by God through the heart of four different people. So it would be like four of us getting together and having the same experience and then go riding through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what we saw and what we witnessed. So it's the same story. So we're picking a parable each week and just diving into it. What did Jesus say? And perhaps what is he saying to us today? Are you ready for Mark 4? Let's do it. So in week one, we talked about, we talked about Matthew 18, which is the unmerciful servant. And we went there. We talked about the F word. Forgiveness. Right, yeah, yikes, exactly. It was was awesome, but it was challenging. I would encourage you to go and watch that message. We talked about the faith to forgive, that forgiveness isn't two-sided, okay? You don't even need the other person. Forgiveness is one-sided. It's something that affects your heart and your mind, and it sets a prisoner free, and then you realize, oh, wait, that prisoner was me. Week two, we talked about the courage to persist out of Luke 18, the persistent widow who, even though the unjust judge who is nothing like our God, gave her justice, how much more will our God, as we persist and fight through through His grace and His strength, give us the courage to persist in our own life? Today in week three, we're going to talk about the ground to prepare, the ground to prepare. So in Mark four, you'll see uh, that Jesus talked a lot about those things. and really Mark 13 t- or Matthew 13 tells us that Jesus always used stories and illustrations. Like these, when speaking to the crowds, in fact, he never spoke to people without using a parable, and, and parables are important. So, Mark 4, verses 1 through 10, and then verses 13 through 20, I'm going to read them aloud. Follow along on the screen, or in your paper Bible, or on your iPhone, your device, and let's look into the scriptures today. Okay, here we go. Mark 4, verse 1, it says, Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. And here's the parable today. Verse 3, listen, a farmer, which the King James Version would say a sower, so synonymous words there, a farmer or a sower, went out to plant some seed as he scattered it across his field. Some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil and with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell along the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as it had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anybody with ears today? My dad used to joke because I was was a big talker. (laughs) Big shock that I'm doing this now. He would say, "Hey, uh, hey, son, you've got two ears and one mouth. Let's try to use them proportionally. Anybody out there parenting? I'm still using it today. I'm still giving it today to my kids on a regular basis. But I love this part. Because he gives this parable, and you know Jesus' disciples. I mean, his crew was right there on the front row. They were shouting, that's good, Jesus. Mm, ta- amen, Pastor Jesus. Probably didn't call him Pastor Jesus, but amen, that's so good. Oh, good word. Wow. You know, they were just shouting him down. But in verse 10, what's so funny to me about the Bible is it says, Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him, what, what did that mean? Right? How many times do we do that, right? Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. Okay, maybe I don't feel like I can raise my hand in worship because of what I did last night, but I'm just going to go ahead and lean in and engage in the presence and power of God and then know in my quiet time that God is still working on me, that I'm still a work in progress, and though I may not be where I want to be, I'm not where I used to be. I'm in process. I'm living a life of faith, and God is preparing the ground of my heart, and it's okay to fake it until I make it. Amen. Amen. That's a side message. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, because he's going to break down the parable, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message immediately and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And then the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. I would submit to us today that this is arguably not just in our series, but it is arguably the most important parable that there is based on the verse 13 where Jesus said, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of them. Okay, lean in today because this one's going to hit right. This one's going to be a taste and see moment for you. How many, um, by a show of hands, I'm going to go out and say, how many of you are local Floridians? Like you were born and raised in Florida. Wow. Oh, shoot. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. We weren't, but hey, we got here as soon as we could. <laughs> and we honestly feel like we've been here our whole lives, man. I am just repping it. I'm like, um, you know, I'm giving advice and people are like, how long have you been here? I'm like, <laughs> 20 months. And, uh, but this is our heart and soul. We've never felt more at home. And this is a lifetime assignment for us. We're here to buy burial plots as morbid as that sound. We love, love, love our city. And so we're here for life. How many would say, um, I'm not from here, but I'm from the country. Come on. We're from the country and I like it. <laughs> Come on. we're my country folk at? Be honest. Yeah. Shout out, shout out, shout out. I, I'm from the country. I don't, I'm from nowhere, Alabama. I mean, Alabama's almost kind of nowhere, right? Like some of you are like, ah, oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're 50th on everything as far as states go. Uh, maybe Louisiana is, is just below us, but we're 49. No, no digs to our Cajun friends if they're in the room or watching online. We love you. But I grew up in the country in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. And uh, we, I grew up in a place called Corner, Alabama. Thea, you don't know about Corner. You don't know about Corner. And listen how creatively it came up with its name. It was in the corner of four counties, wow. Uh, some real creatives. Uh, they're like, what should we call this place? Corner. And uh, so I grew up there and my dad was a farmer. I mean, real talk, uh, your boy was a farmer, just raised out on a farm. And uh, we raised turnip greens and collards year around. Y'all don't know about that turnip green live, bruh. Y'all don't know. About... And uh, yeah, I used to hate them. Now I love them. And um, go figure. But worked, never had to look for a summer job. Your boy never had to look for an after school job. I always had a job and uh, leaned into it, but farming can teach you so many amazing principles. And I love how Jesus uses farming, not only because it has so many amazing life principles to it, but it was kind of the job occupation of the day. And so Jesus, with a heart to always connect before he corrects, was trying to connect with people. And he was saying, let me talk your language, okay? You're you're in that planting and sowing and reaping world. You're in that harvest world. Let me tell you some spiritual truths by bringing it down to your level. And that's exactly what Jesus did in this parable. And he talks about three things. He talks about the seed, the sower, and the soil. The seed. What does the seed represent? The seed is God's word. If you want that extra, extra, this parable is also found in Matthew 13 and Luke 8. So this is a parable that's in three of the four Gospels. But in Luke 8, 11, the Bible says the seed is God's word. How many are thankful for God's word? We, we believe this is the word of God. This is the book that can transform our lives. This is the book that is not dead, not just good ideas, not filled with do's and don'ts, not restrictive in any way, but it is life and life to the full. It is life the full. Giving, And that's why the Bible says that the word of God is alive. Say it with me. It's alive and active, sharper, two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So, The Bible reads us. Ooh, come on, y'all quiet up in this Methodist church. <laughs> that, that's real. That we're not to look at it and see how we can change it to fit our preferences. No, we're to come humbly thankful that God is loving us no matter what our issues are. And we all got them. And if you don't think you got them, that's, that's, that's where you got it right there. That's your issue that you don't think you have any. But we can come to the Word of God and we can look into it. And it can only be something that we read but it can be a mirror that we, that shows us who we are and how we're acting and then it can point us to a better way. We love the word of God. I would say this is not a bunch of made up fictional stories that never happen. This is not an old, out-of-date book that's unapplicable to my everyday life. This is not a bunch of rules and reg- regulations. This is God's Word, the Holy Bible, inerrant, infallible, perfect in every way, here to serve us and love us and teach us and correct us when we're going wrong, not because God wants to restrict us, but God loves us. And you got to go to the one who created life to understand the best life possible and how to live it. And so we love God's word. It is the power of the seed in this parable. And I love that the the Bible is the only book that has a purpose and a pulse. A lot of books have purpose. A lot of books can help you, but none of them alive. None of them can touch your life today in the middle of a situation you didn't see coming and bring life into you and give you presence, and give you character, and give you the formation of the qualities God wants to have in your life. There ain't no book like the Bible. I want you to love it with me. I want you to cherish with me. I want you to hold it up in honor and way and be a people like we're trying to be in our own family and under the confines of our own roof is adhere to the Word and live by the Word and let it transform us into the image of God. That's why Second Timothy said all Scripture... Listen, I looked up the Hebrew word and the Greek word and the Latin word. All the words for all mean all. All Scripture, all 31,102 verses are what? They're inspired by God. And they are useful to teach us what is true and what makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It is the seed. The second thing Jesus talks about in this parable is the sower. What does the sower represent? The sower represents uh, anybody sharing God's word. Which you're like, hey, good luck with that. Not only me. Today it's me. I don't take this responsibility lightly. James 3.1 says I better not. It says I have a great responsibility in this moment to steward these perfect, holy, eternal words and that I am putting them into people's lives and lives hang in the balance. And so there's responsibility and there's weight to it. And I take it very seriously. It's a great honor. But at the same time, I need to be reminded that the power is not in the sower. The power is in the seed. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, After all, who is Apollos? And then he goes straight third person, which I love Paul. He said, Who's Paul? We are only God's servant through whom you believe the good news. Each of us, what did we do? We just did the work that God gave us. I'm just up here doing the work God gave me. Are you doing the work God gave you? There's a place for you here to get involved, to get engaged in that. We'd love to tell you about that. It's called the growth track, where you can find your place in the body of Christ to move the needle forward for the kingdom of God and for your own purpose, joy, and fulfillment. Today, my job is to be the sower. I take it very seriously, but I can't make anything grow. I can only share the word of God in its perfect structure, but you have to be able to receive it in order to change and be transformed from it. So my responsibility today is to say to you publicly what God's been saying to me privately. I'm just the sower today in our time together. And the third area that Jesus talks about is the soils. Now, what does the soil represent in this parable? It represents the human heart. It, rep- it represents our hearts, yours and mine. And it talks a lot about that because it basically it said there's seed, the power's in the seed. That's God's word. And then there's a sower, someone who delivers God's Word to people, but it has to go in hearts. And that's why Jesus focuses in this parable on four different types of hearts, which is interesting to me because it gives us context to why people can be under the same teaching, they can come to the same church service, hear the same worship, and leave with a different experience. Because the power is in how you receive it, how you've postured yourself to get ready for church and say, come on, I'm not coming in with a guard, I'm not coming in with... Lord, believing I figured it all out, I'm coming low. I'm coming boldly, but I'm coming with a humble heart, ready to receive what God has for me. So you have responsibility too. I I grew up in the church in the Bible Belt where it was like, you know, church, check, Sunday lunch, check. Let's get a nap, check. Praise God. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm all about that life. But this is more than a spiritual to-do list. This has the power to change your life. That's why when you come to this environment, you should come to it differently knowing that seed can come to my life. I can taste and see in a moment. And no matter what I'm facing, and no matter that things on paper didn't change in my life, I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind and the power of God's alive and perfect word that is discerning the thoughts and attitudes of my heart. I can be changed. And so Jesus spends most of his time talking about the four hearts, and that's what I want to do in our remaining time together today so that we can see where we are on this spectrum. Because at any given time, our heart is in one of these four conditions. Are you with me today? All right, so you got to see God's word, and you got the sower, today it's me, but mom tonight tucking in the kids, it's you. Today it's me, but dad at the lunch conversation tomorrow when it kind of takes a turn for the worst, it's you. The first one is, and I got a prop, oh, the big reveal. The first heart Jesus mentions is what I'm calling the hard heart. That's a really heavy heart. (laughs) This ground is where the soil is more like rocks than it is soil. And some of you today are here and your heart is in this condition. Your heart is hard. And God's dropping seed into your life, but it just can't find a place to take root. And that's what the Bible says in Mark 4, the seed that fell on the footpath. Represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. And the footpath in Israel, they didn't have automobiles. <laughs> the footpath was where they walked and their feet compressed and compacted the ground. And so it was hard and there was no way to penetrate it. And that's what Jesus was telling them. It's like the footpath, right? You can, you, nobody plants things on the footpath. Why? Because it can't get through the exterior. It's too hard to receive. And when your heart is like this, the Bible says... Satan takes the seed. I want to say it to you this way. It's strong, but I want to say it to you this way. Satan's robbing some of you. And you're even maybe aware of it, and you're letting him. One of the descriptions the Bible gives of Satan in John 10 is he is a thief. John 10, 10. The thief's purpose, he's got one purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can't kill you, and he can't destroy you because you love Jesus too much, he's going to try to steal what God's trying to do out of your life so that you don't move forward. I can't get them to turn back, but I can stop them from moving forward. I can get them just wrapped up in their shame, wrapped up in their yesterdays, or wrapped up in complacency and culture of Christianity, and they'll never move forward if I could just keep them hard enough on the outside that they never receive what I'm trying to do on the inside. And your hard heart allows Satan to rob you of the opportunity to receive God's Word. But sometimes it's not all your fault. Then maybe your heart... It's hard today on the outside because you've been in a hard season. Maybe your heart is hard on the outside today because you've been through some hard pain and some hard disappointments. There's been some things that happened to you. You really didn't have a chance to do anything but try and respond. And maybe you, you're here today and your heart is hard because you've been hurt by church. And in your mind, you've been hurt by God. He didn't answer the prayer in the way you thought he would answer. He didn't come through in the moment you thought he would come through, and it jaded you. You've got a hard heart, and you've turned to other loves and other things to try and find that fulfillment, but only God can satisfy. You need to taste and see again. Maybe it's none of those things, but maybe you're just stubborn. Come on, where are my stubborn people at? You're stubborn. You ain't going to raise your hand. That was funny. But maybe you're stubborn. Maybe you're just resistant to what God, because you know the change it's going to cause. You know the things you're going to have to give up. You can't go to the same websites anymore when God starts working in your heart. You can't do the same things anymore. You can't be one of the guys until you find the new group of guys in one of the Palm City City groups that are coming. You, may, maybe you're just resistant. It's a, or maybe it is the pain. Maybe it's a defense mechanism that says, I'd rather feel nothing than to feel pain like I've been experiencing. It's a hard, hurt heart. And you know God is speaking to you, and you know God has things for you, but because you can't figure it out or box God into your mind, which, by the way, you don't want a God that fits into here, because it's not a God, it's a glorified version of yourself, but God is bigger than our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. We have a God that wants to break the mold and penetrate our heart with His goodness and His Word, but we got to fix the exterior, and it won't work when we have a hard heart. And I know it's tough, but I love you enough as a pastor, and for some of you, maybe your pastor, to tell you if you're in this place, you're in a tough place and a bad place, and that ultimately Satan's robbing you. But the good news I would have to let you know as well is there's no heart too hard for God. That if you're not dead, God's not done. Come on, there's something else God can do in your life if you just say, okay, this is where I am, can't do anything about it except my next best decision I can ask God to come inside my heart and change it, and that's what He'll do. Ezekiel 36 says it right here. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I'll take out the stony heart, the stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender heart, one that responds when I call. Not a delayed obedience, but an urgent, immediate obedience that says, Yes, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. What you say, I will do. Not my will, but yours be done in my life. I don't want a hard heart. Is there anybody in Palm City today that says, Change me God I don't want the exterior of my heart to be hard anymore but the Bible goes on and says if it's not a hard heart maybe it's a shallow heart this is where there's a thin layer of soil on top but then there's all these rocks there's seed that can go in because it is penetrable but it's not deep so it doesn't last verse 16 says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. This is the people, and I've been one before, so if that's how you feel, don't feel condemned. But this is the people that come to a new church or maybe back to church for the first time or the first time since COVID, and they go all in, they're like, "Ah, I'm going all in. I'm going to get on the grow team. I'm going to serve every week of my life. I'm going to read 97 chapters of the Bible a day. I'm going to go all in. I'm not going to raise one hand in worship because those are peasant Christians. I'm going to raise two hands in worship. I'm going all in. But then one bad day happens, and you're MIA. Where, where'd they go? Shallow heart. They, they softened enough to let God transform them in a moment. But they, but they were focused on width and not depth. There used to be a term back in the day called on fire for God. Anybody remember that? Man, they're on fire for God. Woo! On fire for God. But then that fire got put out. What happened? If you go back to verse 6, it says, the Bible says the sun came out. And the sun in this parable represents hard days. It represents the thing you didn't see coming. And if the devil can't rob you, he'll reheat you. He'll he'll turn up the heat on your life. He'll send some things that say, Oh, watch this. (laughs) They ain't gonna last. I'm I'm about to nuke this plant. I'm about to wilt this new Christian. And he'll send things in our life that just punch us right in the mouth. That's what the great theologian Mike Tyson said. Everybody has a plan until life punches you in the mouth. We gotta listen to these words of these leaders like Mike Tyson. But I'm here to tell you today, friend, and I know this is a tough message, but I think it's a needed one. That following Jesus is not a get out of jail free card. That following Jesus doesn't mean you're not gonna have a bad day and a hard season and a hard moment. And, and that things can still go awry. Jesus promised this. Somebody's like, Jesus, I thought Jesus was good, but this isn't good. There's a there's a disconnect. No, God's good. He didn't say earth was good. Actually, he said, here on earth. You will have many trials. Like, that's the promise. But he followed it up with a hope. He said, take heart because I've overcome the world. And if he's overcome the world, we have a Savior that can help us overcome our bad days when they come. Can I get an amen, somebody? The best decision you can make today if you are a shallow-hearted person is put down roots. we got to quit church hopping. we got to quit bouncing around here and there and never committing to anything. Commitment is a word we need to bring back. All all again, I know you need to do your due diligence, and if it's not here, I can recommend 10 churches in Tampa Bay that I would go to if I wasn't leading this one. So I'm not just saying it's here. I would love it to be here. I think we got a good thing going on. That's for you to determine at the growth track today at 12 (laughs) p.m. Come on, you know what's up. You know I'm going to get that in. But you got to put down some roots. I wrote it down this way. If you're going to have longevity in your faith, you better have depth in your connection. The Bible says in Psalm 92 that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. Come to Growth Track today and put down some roots and get your shallow heart deeper. The third heart the Bible says that we can have is a crowded heart. The good soil, you can see there's no rocks. This is really good soil. See how pretty that is? Oh, it's so pretty. But it can just be crowded, that the seed doesn't really have room to go, and it gets crowded and pushed out. Mark 4, 18 says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. The same three issues that happened in the Garden of Eve, the same three issues that happens everywhere. It's lust, greed, and pride. The same three issues just manifesting themselves and showing themselves and displaying themselves in different ways, but it's the same root cause. These are the people that say, I love God. I want to live for God, but I'm just so distracted by the worries of my life. My responsibilities are too weighty. I want to be on the grow team. I want to lead a city group. I want to lean in. I want to give, but I can't afford to tithe. My problems, my relationships, my marriage, my family. My kids, my career, my health, my finances, my depression, my stress, my shame, my guilt, my yesterdays, my addiction, my fear, my hurt. It's just too much. But can I tell you the worries of life want to crowd out the seed of God's word in your life, but it doesn't have to because you have a Savior that says cast those worries on me because I care for you and that I I wish I would have set it up to where they just come to me But if the worries just came to me, Jesus said, they wouldn't come to you and then you wouldn't come to me. So God in his goodness allows them to come to you so that you, with the knowledge, will bring them where you should that you're not the carrier of your burdens you're the courier of your burdens that i don't carry the weight of life myself but when it hits me i'm just delivering it i'm like i'm i'm shipped i'm amazon flex i'm out here i'm out here just delivering groceries baby taking it to the one who ordered them and the worries aren't yours to bear they're for christ to carry he says in first peter give all your worries to me because if you decide to hold on to them and i've done this one too <laughs> You've always been through all the hearts. It'll crowd out God's word and God's plan for your life. Oh, but the last one.
1: Come on, somebody say amen
0: or oh my. Oh, but the last one, the fruitful heart. The Bible says in Mark 4:20, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted? Is there any candidates in the room that says, let me get 100 back on that. Let me get a hundredfold return on what God's doing in my life, not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit in and of myself. My strength is not enough. My motivation's not enough. My willpower is not enough, but if God will put seed into me, and He will, and I can posture my heart in a way that I will, where I can receive that seed, then He can give me a return that is agriculturally speaking impossible because they would say agriculturally speaking that an eight to one is a phenomenal return. But the Bible says you don't get eight to one with Jesus. You get 30 to one. You get 60 to one. You get 100 to one. Is there anybody in the place that says, I want a supernatural return on investment. I want God to do something supernaturally in me because we serve the God of the impossible. With man, it is impossible. Eight out of return would be a great year. My dad would have loved eight out of return. Eight out of one return. But the Bible promises a supernatural return. I believe that we can produce a harvest like that because nothing's impossible for our God. So, what is the one barrier that keeps us from experiencing this fruitful heart? It's our heart. The quality of your heart determines the quality of your harvest. That the condition of your life is simply a reflection of the condition of your heart. So some of us need heart change. So I want you to bow your heads today and don't close your eyes. And if you're comfortable, I want to put your hands in front of you, put them together. And I want you to hold your heart. Not your neighbor's heart, not the heart you feel like you should have, but the heart you know you do have. Do you have a hard heart today? Has the disappointments of life and the pain of yesterday and the shame of your bad choices and poor decisions have they hardened your heart? Have they they Have they jaded you from ever being eligible or a candidate for the grace of God? I would encourage you today, if that's you, there's no heart too hard for the love of God. Do you have a shallow heart today? Is that the heart you're holding? Where where your relationship with God is existing, but it just has no depth. And that's why it has no consistency. Because you, you do things on the outside, but you never let the word go deep into your heart to really transform you with a renewal and a supernatural power that is not outside in. It's inside out. Do you have a crowded heart today where you love Jesus and the soil of your heart is pure and it's sincere and it's ready for God to do a great work, but you've just got some other things in there, some weeds that are crowding out. Maybe it's your finances, it's your kid's schedule. It's just some things that you've put on par and and considered equal with church and God and, and the Holy Spirit in your life. And God's reminding you today, there is none equal with me. If I'm not God of all, I'm not God at all. Is your heart crowded today? Maybe your heart is fruitful. And we celebrate you if you have that heart to where you're living a life producing a harvest that you never dreamed and that you know is only by the power of God working in your life. Because again, the power is not in the sower. The power is in the seed. But whether you have a hard heart, a crowded heart, a shallow heart, God wants to give you a God heart. And he can do that by you accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not gonna call anyone out I'm not going to embarrass you. There's a place for that. There's a place to take a next step and go public with your faith. We'll tell you more about that in just a minute. But this is a private decision between you and God, that, that your spouse can't get you right with God, that your friend group, that your good works, that your effort to be a good person, it's not enough. You need a Savior. You need forgiveness of sins. You need God to do the supernatural work of giving you a new nature and a new life. Maybe you've made that decision before. Maybe you've never made that decision at all. But today you want to make it. And I'm not playing games. I'm going to count to three. And I want you to raise your hand in boldness today. If that's you, you say, Pastor Brian, I have a hard heart. I don't know what happened but I've let things change me. I don't have a hard heart, but it's shallow. There's no depth to me and I'm ready to go deeper. I'm ready to put down roots in Christ and really live this life in private as much as I am in public. And maybe it's a crowded heart to where I'm making some changes in my priorities. I'm making some adjustments and I'm ready to give God my life fully and completely. Come on, raise your hand right now if that's you. And I want to pray for you. You can slip it up, you can slip it right back down. I want to lead you in a prayer that's making Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Yeah, I see you, awesome. It's great. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. I've made this decision. People in this room have made this decision. We may just have got here a little bit earlier. Today, you know it's the day of salvation for you and you need to make this decision. And I'm going to help you with it by giving you some words that you can pray from, guess where? Your heart. Straight to heaven. So, you can't repeat them and not be sincere because there's no power in that. But if you're sincere, the Bible says there is one name under heaven through which all men should be saved, and his name is Jesus, and he loves you. Pray this prayer to him Jesus, today I give you my heart, and today I'm asking you to give me a new one. I give you my shame, my problems, my past, my yesterday my today, and my tomorrow. I'm going to be a soft-hearted Christian. I'm going to be an open Christian, open to your will, even if it's different than my will. Today, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. and I give you my life wholly and completely today in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for every person here today, God, for the person who has a hard heart, God, today begin to soften their heart for the person who has a crowded heart. Help them to have a focused heart. Help them to prioritize what really matters in life because the time is now and the time is urgent. For the person that has a shallow heart, I pray that they would have a connected heart. That they wouldn't do life alone. That you never intended us to do this journey alone, but with a group of people, on purpose, with a purpose. And so God, help them get connected today, we pray in Jesus' name. And for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves on that spectrum, we open our heart to you. And we ask you to do a new work in us. We want to see it. We want to live it. We're here for it. Have your way in our lives, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And the Palm City family said a big amen. Come on, let's clap and celebrate every life change. Come on, lives are being changed in the name of Jesus.